1: The Westwood One Podcast Network.
0: If you look at my
2: resume, man, it looks really good. But what you don't see is in between every one of those great bullets is a bunch of failure and a bunch of hardship, obstacle after obstacle. But, you know, the difference is those aren't my bullets. Those obstacles and those failures aren't my defining moments. It's everything that comes after that that you grow from.
3: never quit. games never quit. So buckle up, Buttercup. The Team
1: Never Quit podcast is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. Proud to serve members of the Armed Forces, DOD, veterans, and their families. Our members are the mission. Learn more at NavyFederal.org. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode. My name is Andrew Brockenbush, and I'm your producer, and I'm joined by the two most badass podcast hosts on the planet, Navy SEALs Marcus and Morgan Latrell. Hey, guys, welcome back.
3: No, we're good, man. We're good. Life is rolling. Excellent. Pretty much the awesomeness. A lot of birthdays coming up. Whose? Daughter. Yeah, niece.
1: <clears throat> all right, Morgan, I got a, I got one for you this morning.
3: Uh, let's do a movie quote. Send it. I'm 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 always prepared. All right. I can't be got Here's a quote. Let off some steam. Let off some steam. That is from Commando. After Arnie threw that pipe through Bennett, stuck him in the wall, and the steam was coming out of the pipe. He looked at him and said, let off some steam, Bennett. right? Man, if we ever caught any of our guys walking around on a chainmail wife beater, that's what he's wearing. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Oh, watch the movie again. Oh, really? Oh. If anybody hadn't seen Commando in a while... Watch it again. (laughs) It is so terribly awesome. It's like the best movie ever made. But yeah, chainmail wife beater with literally a dog leash. Right around his neck. Around his neck. I don't know if that dude still has a weightlifting glove, right? Yeah. And and, and his run was worse than Seagal's, which Mm. is probably the most horrific run ever. (laughs) Yeah. Almost as bad as Phoebe's off of friends. It's pretty bad. It's terrible. (laughs) forgot about Phoebe oh Phoebe I remember Seagal's run though. Smelly Cat yeah Smelly Cat yeah but his was bad he actually liked Seagal Sensei he's a, he's a police now he doesn't to run anywhere chase him down in a car still <laughs> you about... ever watch that Lawman <laughs> Law, Lawman Steven Man? Lawman yeah Seagal, that was Lawman. really terrible as well I loved his movies man his Back movies in that great. 90s genre we had cause what was the 80s it was Stallone and Schwarzenegger and Bruce Willis and Van Damage yeah, Bruce Willis wasn't in the 80s. He was in the 90s. Die Hard opened him up to be that. Like, right, but then that, that, that was late 80s and early 90s, man, is when that kind of art genre of movies kicked off and it, you, you, the martial arts. Yeah. Seagal. Jeff Speakman is the perfect weapon. Van Damage, which Van Dam's still a badass in my book. He is, man. I, 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 Still fits the part. He does, dude. Did you see when he uh, did the splits in between those two Volvo trucks? Yeah, because then then Chuck Norris did it on two airplanes. You kidding me? You didn't see that? <laughs> no. Yeah. You see that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah so he, so Van Damme did that, and then Ch- and of course Chuck had to one up him. So there was two seven forty sevens flying through the air, and there's a picture of him on the on the tips of each of the wings. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody outdoes Chuck, oh, man. Dude, come on. Frickin Chuck, we love you, man. <laughs> yeah, like that? I ran into Yeah, the, there, it is right there. Look. Then he's got. Oh, I didn't even see the ones with people on his head. Is that a team on top of it. It is. Oh, man. Man.
1: All right, guys. Patreon question today comes from our friend Kathleen, one of our teammates. Uh, She asks, What is one of your favorite foods on the East Coast? On the East Coast? Crab.
3: Crab? Yeah. You got a specific restaurant you like it, bro? Uh. Oh, which one did I hit up the other day with some dear friends of mine? Oh, actually, no, they made it at the house, and they have this. They took old bay and, and apple cider vinegar and made this dipping sauce, bro. I mean, in, in my opinion, the 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 blue crabs are harder to eat than crawfish, and you got to work more at it because you got to take the key off. They need to, don't eat the lungs, by the way. They didn't. I think they they hooked the southern boy up and let me eat the lungs, but <laughs> <laughs> mine was ho- cooked at home. Um. They cooked them, they boiled them, and then they put them in this brown paper bag and let them steam, and then they made that apple cider vinegar over that old bay, brosif. I must have tell you what, it. man. We had an old boy the other day come over and cook some crawfish, uh, and he he remember he did it differently than we had all because normally you've been them. cooking crawfish for twenty something years, man. And this old boy shows up at the house to cook some crawfish for one of the from one of our parties, and did it completely opposite the way we do it. Yeah. And it was good. He he goes he goes he gets his water up to a roll, and is going to dump the bugs in, and I was like, hey man. We like our spices, like, I was waiting for somebody to say something. He's like, y'all trust me? It's like, yeah. He cooks, he, he throws the bugs into the boiling water, and it simmers. And as soon as it comes back up to a roll, he dumps them out into the cooler and then puts the seasoning on top of them, shuts the cooler for 15 minutes, best bugs i ever had. They looked hot. Clean it, And the cleanup no, was it, easy. Man, it's just, normally, you, it's, we soak them, soak put them ice in them, and, and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah. Tons of ingredients. He just sprinkled his steamed them. Meat came right out of the shell. It was, he's like, I've been, he's, hey, he spent a couple of years down in Louisiana. Yeah, somebody taught him how to Some do Some old timer on the bayou. Yeah. It was, they, man, they were good. That's how we do them now. Yeah. For all our listeners out there. We don't spend 45 minutes seasoning the water. <laughs> yeah, because you know, the way it works, that's the great part about being an American. So if you, you know, if you go to Italy, man, and all the families are old and they have their, their lasagna recipe, it's been in the family, you can't mess with that. The beautiful thing about being an American, dude, is it's a melting pot of every kind of culture and tradition and background. So you can change, you have literally permission to change up your recipes. And when we find something that, I mean, we think, you know, it tastes good and, and it works well and kind of like, this is the way we do it and that's it. Then we tweak it a little bit. Man. Yeah. Put some ranch dressing on it. Right. And then that's your go-to fail safe right there, but it... If, uh, or bacon. <laughs> Our bacon. Bacon and ranch. Something new comes along, man. Don't ever be afraid to upgrade. Thanks for the question. Uh, we really appreciate it, Kathleen. Yes, ma'am. Thank you.
1: Let's get into a listener story today, which is brought to you by Fred, and uh, Marcus will
3: bring that to us. Let me start off by saying thank you to all of y'all for everything. My story starts on June 1st, 2018. Due to a bad set of events, a friend of mine ended up passing away by his own hand. Afterwards, I realized something wasn't right with me mentally, so I told my chief about what was going on. He sent me to be evaluated, and I had two or three different acronyms thrown at me and a bunch of people saying it's understandable given what happened, so I was discharged from the Navy. Over the past year, I've tried to make sense and deal with the crap, not just from those events, but from being discharged in and of itself. After coming home, I fell into this state of, is my biggest purpose over? It took some people who were close to me to get me back to reality, and I have to give them some props. Without them, I'd be in a pine box. Now I'm putting what I've learned into the Navy and to pursuing my nursing degree from John Hopkins. I listen to you guys at least once a day. Y'all can get me motivated when I start sliding back into my pile of bullshit. For my brothers, my friends, my family, and for the country, I have to be the best. I will not quit because I have amazing friends who help me get back up when I get down. Fred, thanks for writing in, brother. And um, we all go through those kind of those moments in our life that that kind of shift us in a different direction, and, that, and that's okay. In the beginning, sometimes you don't understand why it's happening, but just. Know that, you know, God has a plan for everybody and, and it's, it's not yours, it's his. And sometimes when we get shifted over and, and, and we're not ready, it, it uh you know, it causes a lot of grief and, and uh, uncertainty on us. But just keep leaning on your friends when you need them. Uh, lean to the Lord and never, never doubt yourself, man. You said it. You got to be the best you can be and never quit. So thanks for writing in, Fred. Do you love the TNQ podcast? Make sure you subscribe to get notified about our latest episode each week. The show is available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and pretty much any other podcast player. We've got a ton of great episodes and had some incredible guests, including Tim Ballard, Laura Logan, and Diana Nyad. Do you want exclusive access to the show and bonus behind-the-scenes content? Join us at Patreon. Yeah,
1: guys, there's David, Reagan, Kyle, Rebecca, Beth, Michelle, and many more who've joined us on Patreon to get access to behind the scenes content, access to the Patreon community, and they get rare access to Morgan, Marcus, and all of our incredible guests. If you want to be a part of our team and join that so you can get all that access, help us keep putting these shows out, join us at patreon.com slash team never
3: All right, let's get into today's show. So we're joined today by one of my best friends. He was one of my groomsmen. We go back. And vice versa. And vice versa. That's right, vice versa. Aaron Kendall. Actually his wife was calling him by his first name yesterday and I was like, Who the hell are you talking about? She's like, Kendall. I was like, Oh, I forgot his name was Aaron. Yeah, people in San Antonio. Oh, it's A Aaron. A A Ron. I actually have your last name misspelled in my phone. Still. Hey A. Ron, are you here?
2: I think everybody does.
3: <laughs> so it was, again, never quit story. But um, so for everybody out there, we're talking to uh, Aaron Kendall, who is former team guy, retired team guy. He's got the sexiest half arm on the planet, <laughs> which we got to get into that story because it's literally the like greatest the, story yeah, in naval special, special warfare, like one of those warfare, warfare, like one of those you actually did that to yourself, and then. <laughs> Sounded made you get up back to the house, yeah. So, his, <laughs> yeah. So one of his best stories, because like I said, we've known him forever. One of the best stories he's got is when, when it didn't even happen at work. But yeah,
2: you guys need me with two hands. Gut wrenching. Yeah,
3: there's going to be a lot of one-handed jokes in here tonight. Yeah. And if you, hey, Those look while sure we're going me. through this, if you need a hand with anything, just let us know. <laughs> we'll, we'll, uh, yeah, we'll make sure that. Yeah, we'll, we'll give you. Yeah, we'll help Always. you. out. Right <laughs> we're pretty handy around here. So, so before we jump into the nitty gritty of the never quit story, um give us some background on. Where you from? And because uh, all right, so in really, so what we like to do is we like to put everything on relative terms, because the listeners out there, especially with the team guys, they think that team guys were kind of like born out of this certain genotype. And we like to express to our our listeners that hey, land we come from everywhere, every walk of life, and that every one of our stories are different. So anything that we've been involved in or our never quit stories, we're just Kind of an, an average human being that was put in an extra or extraordinary situation. So let's kick this bad boy off and give a little background on Kendall.
2: I mean, so I started working out when I was about two years old. Training. Most
3: people don't do that. Why'd you <laughs> wait so long?
2: <laughs> I'm uh, I was a little slow, but no, my childhood, everything in my life was pretty normal. I came from a military family. I've got a long history of military from my parents kind of in the Vietnam era, to my grandfather on both sides in World War II, uh, to my great-grandfather in World War I. So, That's awesome, man. Thanks That's Yeah, badass. no, I mean— um, Carrying the torch. American warrior class. <laughs> sort of was. I mean, I guess that was—my grandfather definitely would have been a, a big influence on me for that. But I grew up normal, into sports. I played everything. Where are you from originally? Manassas, Virginia. Yeah, nobody knows where that is. Yeah, it's just outside of DC, a little small town. Shout out to Manassas. Manasty. <laughs> my people's Manasty. Yeah. <laughs> Some people might say Manasshole, but uh no, I love it. It's growing. It's a, it's a small town it's back sweet then. Mole but... asses. <laughs> <laughs> it's growing now, but uh, I was born in the Philippines. My parents were both active duty, Civic Bay Naval Base. Both in the Navy? They both were. My dad you, was in the was Marine Jack, Corps. Right? Yeah, my dad was in the Marine Corps, joined up in Vietnam and then um, ended up getting a commissioning and going over to the navy was just a line officer for a number of years. But my mom, yeah, she was a JAG lawyer. She stayed in, retired as a captain. Um, my stepdad, he's also a 20-year F-14 guy. Uh, so oh, cool. Just, 14, huh? Yeah, top Gunner? That's right. He went to Top Gun, what's his actually. Call, what's his call sign? Smoke. What's that stand for? Cause uh, nothing I don't has, even know. Obviously <laughs> I, not, you know what? It's obviously not cool. Yeah. Bill, Sounds what does, cool. Bill, what does that stand for? <laughs> Normal childhood, sports, school. I don't think I was much of a student. I mean, I just got by. Uh, My parents divorced when I was young. I think I was seven years old. So I grew up with my dad and my brother there in Manassas. My dad worked out of D.C. as a civilian most of my life. He actually worked for the JAG Corps up in Navy Washington Yard. So I grew up going to base and meeting guys and always seeing guys in uniform. But like I said, I never really had that drive. I never thought about the military being my thing. I ended up finding my niche in swimming. I was a great swimmer. I grew up top in the state of Virginia and breaststroke and stuff, but it wasn't until I graduated high school barely. I think I graduated like a one point two. And uh my dad was old school. He always has this rule of, you know, either have a job, be going to school, or get out of the house. Obviously I was living at home still. So I was going to community college, signed up there, figured I'd still swim community college and then end up transferring somewhere still. And During this time, I think I started thinking, you know, what's my backup plan? I started looking at the SEALs. I met a SEAL that worked at the Navy Washington Yard, and he gave me one of these books. I can't even remember which one it was. It talked a little bit about each Special Forces training. The commander. Yeah, I think that was it. Yep. So I read that, and it kind of piqued my interest in the SEAL thing. Obviously, I was comfortable in the water. And I was going to school, reading all these SEAL books, which immediately made me an expert at all things SEAL-related. But the fuck was that? Did you hear
3: that? Yeah. That was, what was that? Settle down, buddy. Is that here? <laughs> fucking Quado trying to come out of his belly over here. Did
2: you get that on? Uh, he ordered did you the special? I don't
3: know. That oh, was loud. loud. I was like, Hey, what did don't? he
2: get? The special? <laughs> 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 Check please.
3: Uh, All
2: right. Uh, sorry, bro. Yeah, anyway, anyway, got it. Yeah, so um, mm-hmm. I was still super mature. I, I didn't even finish a semester before I was finally like, hey, partying with my all right, friends. So people
3: know, man, the, you're you're highly intelligent. Your grades obviously don't reflect your what's really
2: going on. So yeah, I, just just, I was just I was an immature point just in my life. Through, yeah, right. I just needed to mature, yeah. and so I dropped my classes. Was still living at home. My dad came home. Back in those days, he didn't need a password and ID to figure out everything. He just he knew my social, my date of birth, and he looked on. He came home that day, asked me how school was going. So it's going great. I lied. (laughs) I did. I lied. I said, it's great. And he said, great. Like you got all A's or great. Like you dropped all your classes and haven't told me yet. So I knew I was after right there. So are you giving
3: me an A and B option here or, uh,
2: but he made it. He said, what's next. You're about to be gone. And I said, I'm joining the Navy. He was like, bullshit. You quit everything you do. (laughs) And I was like, Nope, I'm going to do it. I want to be a seal. So he supported me. I went enlisted and, uh, chose to be a medic. Waited nine months to get in and off to boot camp I went. I forgot you were a corpsman. Yeah. What year did you jump in? I came in in 2003. Oh, yeah. Right at the time. Old school, back when core school was still at Great Lakes. It's right. in San Antonio now. Yeah. Oh, you had to go to core school? Yeah. I
3: didn't. I was a striker. Oh, were you? Yeah. I want, uh, So I. that was the fastest way to get to Buds. Yeah. Come to find out, it's the longest way to get to the SEAL teams. Because <laughs> the guys I graduated with had their tridents, and had already been on a deployment and come back, and I, I was still in the in the pipeline. Yeah. I mean, I was three and a half years before I got to my team because I was SDV and then you know, con school and all kinds of stuff. In I world. mean, I think that's
2: the medic way because I didn't – I mean, maybe after Buds, I remember like third phase, You know we would pretty much made it, and they're calling out, or getting everybody orders. Yeah, yeah, and they yeah. just went alphabetically, you know, and they're like, <laughs> you know, so-and-so, team four, so-and-so, team seven, and all of a sudden, like, my name got skipped.
0: Fade I was Will. like
2: <laughs> – I'm like, what's going on here? I'm starting to sweat. Like, dude, what happened? And then, of course, I realized other guys' names weren't called either. And they were like, hey, if your name wasn't called, you're a medic. You're going to 18 Delta. Yeah. And you're like, what the fuck is 18 Delta? <laughs> I just thought, when I chose a job, I just chose it because I was like, man, I grew up as a lifeguard. I yeah, was same like, I, I CPR. I can be a medic. <laughs> <I>
3: know, <right? laughs> Not realizing it's
1: one of the hardest schools in the military. Yeah. Oh, that, was a, that was a was a kicking ball. So for the heart. listeners out there who don't know what 18 Delta
2: is, what is that? Well, I guess, uh, so 18 Delta is what the SEAL medics used to go through. Now we, they've started their own program. Now I think they have their own medical course. So the way it works with the, the in the
3: in the Green Berets, their, their source ratings are, are identified by uh, letter a letter number codes. and a letter. Yeah, yeah a number and a letter. All right, in the SEAL teams, you got your source code, which is where 5326 is. So if you see that number 5326, like on the Mustang in the Navy, everything is, has a number tacked to it, right? That's your identification number. Well, SEALs is 5326, and then if as you're if you're a medic, then you're a 5326 and then 8491, right? And then if you're an SDV guy, that it's fifty-three twenty-three. So you just stack these numbers up. And the way it works in the with the Green Berets is as they're going through their pipeline, their selection course, right? When they make it through so their bud's part of it, then they go to their their qualification training. So if they're a medic, a calm guy, a, an explosive guy, officers or alphas, then you got uh, bravos. So eighteen series denotes special, special forces. Special forces. Yeah. Okay, and then after that, if it has an A B C D behind it, that tells you what he is, what he, what his job description is. So if they're eighteen deltas, and that means that they're the medic. SEALs don't go through regular. People would ask me, I was like, I'm in the Navy, and like you're, a, I was a medic. Like, oh, so you, you're a corpsman? You went to corps school? I was like, no, I, I didn't do that. I went from buds straight to eighteen delta. And it's also you have the PJs, the Air Force Special Forces are there, the Rangers, Special Forces. Everybody goes there. It's the most high end medical school. You, you can go to in the military in the military and uh it's the longest route so when you when you hear that or if you hear any special forces guys talking and they're like oh it's sf and they're like well what would you do and they'll say well i was a golf or a bravo or a delta or a charlie or something like that so, so yeah went through delta school how'd you do <laughs> I, I passed well, there you go <laughs> got that doctorate degree 75 and a snowflake right
2: that's right uh, 74 and a snowflake <laughs>
3: All right, so Delta, and then 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 into the teams.
2: Yep. and I uh, I got my orders. I chose to go back to the West Coast, um, picking my orders for SEAL Team Seven, and showed back up there, kind of right in the middle of, of the workup.
3: Did they? Did you get your orders out of SD uh, muster at, SD, at at 18 Delta?
2: I did get my orders at 18 Delta. Yeah.
3: I remember that morning, man. We mustered up down there, and they were reading their. Book, it was just us, right? Because yeah, maybe some of the Ranger guys, but. They started going down the list, too. They got to my name. And they are like, Trell, where do you think you're going? And I was like, uh, three? They're like, try again. I was like, five? And I started going down the numbers. I want to go West Coast,
2: too. And they were like, nope, it's three letters. And I was like, dev group? <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest. I was. I would have been happy with any orders out of there as fast as I, possible. Because right? I, I ended up getting. I got into some trouble with the law when I was on rotations. Yeah, yeah. yeah. last month. You, Where'd you
3: go do your rotation at?
2: In uh, Jacksonville, Florida. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so I had gotten arrested down there. All right. Like two days before we left. Of course. And of course, I came back up there, and just the got- the other seals I knew knew. And I was like, dude, I can't. We can't tell anybody. They'll kick me out of here. We're a week away from graduating.
3: Oh yeah. <laughs> so I didn't say a word. Typical SEAL story. Because it's still it's still a selection course for the uh, for the special Force guys. So it's like we're they drop us into a portion of their SEAL their yeah. buds training, right? And I mean, they're trying to get those guys out of there. With us, man, we we made it through the pro the pipeline, and they need us to become medics so we can go back, right? But it's still. I mean, I, I got my ass kicked in that class.
2: Well, plus it's the army. I don't care. Like yeah, anyway, man. Around <laughs> midnight, you very much.
3: hear that knock on the door, being there studying. instructor's the like, get out. I'd still get wet, sandy, all that stuff. Man, it was a a joy.
2: Yeah. So I mean, I did. Uh, went to SEAL Team Seven. I did my first platoon there. Beautiful Southeast Asia, which was awesome. I mean, I think at first, everybody was a little bitter because I think you know Iraq was going. Everybody wanted to be in Iraq, but we were the we were the troop that got. Stuck to Southeast Asia. I think I was bitter about that for a while, but looking back now, that was like one of the best deployments. Fun, right? I wish I would have like enjoyed myself more, but um, came back from that, ended up going to sniper school. Of course, I wanted to be a breacher. My platoon chief said, what do you want to do? I said, I want to go to breacher school. He said, you're going to be a sniper. <laughs> Good, going to sniper school. Which was awesome. The opposite. Uh, yeah. no, in, in the
3: teams, you don't, those, that's like crossing the streams. Yeah. You get every call you want, but if, if you're a breacher, then you stay that. If you're a yeah. sniper, then you stay that
2: uh sniper school was awesome though uh there were two guys from dev group in there one guy was colin thomas who unfortunately isn't with us anymore he got killed a few years later but i mean he was an awesome guy and the other is sniper partner as well i won't use names but that was like the first time i got like a glimpse of like where are you guys at this looks awesome and you guys are awesome they were just they treated us great and that kind of sparked my ambition to go to dev group uh, I came back from sniper school, and they were still doing augments. So when the squadrons were deployed, they would take medics and guys like that, and I was obviously a medic, which was great. So I volunteered. I got permission and got to go over there. Uh, I did a deployment with them to Afghanistan, which was amazing. And came back from that, and that kind of solidified it for me. I knew I wanted to screen. I ended up doing my second deployment at a 7 to Iraq, and I screened right before that in that period. I came back, did the whole screening process, deployed with Team 7, uh, came back, and I ended up getting picked up. So for
3: for people who aren't familiar with, with the way that one works, either this is, the SEAL teams, are it's a volunteer force, double volunteer, right? And then Dev Group's triple volunteer force. So you volunteer for the Navy, then you volunteer for Naval Special Warfare. And then you go through BUDS, and then... Uh, SQT, then you get to your team, and then you you do workup and stuff like that. And then as you're doing that, if if you want to screen for dead Group or SEAL Team Six, there's another selection process. So you, you just like when you screen for Buds, you got to do the pushups, pull ups, sit swims, run, all that stuff like that. And then afterwards, there's a another program called Green Team, which is the it, it's like Buds, right? It's but for team guys, and it sucks, right?
2: Yeah, I mean it's it's just it's just a different kind of tough. It's
3: right. More- Mental and skill, yeah. Because you get you're getting evaluated, you're already team guy, you. guy. Yeah, it's it's. Um. So you got over to the squadrons, did some time over to squadrons. I'm gonna I'm gonna push you through this one.
2: Yeah, I mean, a couple of deployments there, and then uh, end up finishing my time on the West Coast uh, teaching skydiving. we in the sky, gotten all things jumping there. I forgot you were doing that. And then I was the chief of the air cell on the West Coast. Uh, handful of guys in there, and we put all the SEAL teams through the air portion of their workup, which was an awesome job. I started to go back to school there. We can, I'm sure we're going to get into all this. Uh, got into the nonprofit world, and
3: yeah, we'll get back to that. So, for, for, so for, for everyone out there, so what you've done already is you, you enlisted in, went through the SEAL teams, did time on the West Coast, went over across the street to uh, Damn Neck, did, did your time over there, and then now let's get into your into the never quit story about
2: your about your arm. Morgan and I, shit, we live together. Yeah, that's actually. Mates how i met you guys was through a good buddy of mine going through green team met a bunch of great guys one of my best friends being john tomlinson jt and was blessed to be introduced to all you guys going through because it's tough coming from the west coast you know We when you come from the west coast here i didn't i knew a handful of guys in the east coast but your t orders, you're living in the barracks so it wasn't until we finished and it was like where are we gonna live you know jt was like hey I, yeah. morgan's on deployment you should just crash this house <laughs> that's how i got the news. So i was like hey we got a new roommate and i was like all right cool he's like morgan said it was cool but um obviously leading up to like one of my things a big event in my life that kind of started some never quit stuff was you know august 6 2011 um i was at the squadron we were deployed same and squadron what's right.
3: that same squadron as JT.
2: Yeah, we were same squadron. We were lucky enough. And different troops. I was at an outstation down in Kandahar. These guys were one of the two troops all together. And um, I can remember the, the night we came back in from an op, do our usual you know, debrief, after-action reports, send everything up, have a quick cocktail. And I went, I went to my room, and I just changed and laid down and my team leader, I hear just bang on the door. Of course, I'm like, "What?" So I answer the door, and he's like, get into the jock here. It's just a small one." We walk in, on the TV It's just this fiery crash, you know. And you're just kind of like, "What's going on?" And then he, it just like it just it just happened. Obviously, those guys were all on one helo. If you don't know, and the helo ended up getting shot down as they were coming in to land um, on an op and. We lost an entire troop. You know, I think there's 31 guys total, 25 of mm-hmm. ours. Um, you're just watching it. You know, it's kind of surreal. Like, you don't you don't even know how to react. Like yeah. It's not real. It's just like watching on TV. It is like watching on TV. It's right? like watching a movie. Like, you're kind of emotionless. Yeah. You're like...
3: You're in your gut. You're like, who was on that?
2: Uh, and, and we knew. You know, and we knew everybody like... was on there. And you know, you're looking at me, I'm at, I'm looking at my teammate and I'm at, we're asking questions that we don't know the answer to. And we're just, you know, obviously the rest of this squadron all over the world was started communicating very quickly and talking. And like I said, it was just, it was terrible. So I think those emotions start to come slowly and you just kind of don't know what to do. Um, that was a big – it took me years to realize how big of an impact that had on my life. I think I'm still to this day. But, you know, seeing those guys and having your best friends go. I mean, JT, we moved out, and JT bought a house, and we lived together. And
3: So you want to explain what happened, what, what we're
2: talking about when
3: it when it comes to that, what the the details on it? It was a helicopter went down with a bunch of our buddies on it. Yeah, Chinook
2: went down with an entire troop, a third of our squadron.
3: So there's a tick going on, right? There's a yeah. Rangers
2: were in there. Rangers were in contact. I I mean, I don't know the. I mean, I just know that I think they, some guys squirted. I think the the guy we were going after. I think they 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 saw him leave and they knew where he's going. And so our guys launched to kind of come in for backup and and go for it. And they were just set up ready. I I mean from the story, I mean it's just one of those. Lucky is not a good word to use. It's a shitty word, but that's kind of just what happened. I guess some dude stepped out in the dark at night with an RPG and fired it off and ended up hitting the rear rotor and you know those guys were a couple hundred feet up still coming in it just dropped it dropped it out of the sky obviously i
3: mean that shot right nobody walks away from a helicopter nobody walked
2: away i mean it was yeah i mean uh you got airplane fuel explosives all that stuff i mean the rangers were awesome they they broke contact and like humped all night like running secured the crash they were on target for like two or three days getting stuff off of there Bodies, everything, you know. We met, After that, we met... Obviously, we flew into where they were at. There was a big ceremony in Bagram, and then we had to fly to their, to their base and pack up all their stuff. You know, like, nobody was left to do that. Yeah. So, which is just a freaky thing. You know, you walk in, and you're walking into your buddy's room that's set up like he just walked out. Right. You know, computers are still open, and beds are... You know, everything's just... Uh, as like, they left it to go walk and do the op as we all do expecting to come back i suppose you know maybe but it was just you know it's tough and we all i remember during that time they sent a bunch of psychs out chaplains and stuff obviously to talk with us which i don't think anybody used mm-hmm. you know at that time i if there's one thing i think we're good at it's just stuffing emotion down yeah, the box. It. yeah you know, oh. it's just shutting that lid is like packing that suitcase and stepping on it and closing that it as
3: fuel right
2: it yeah it. it's yeah that's one use for it i guess, in a good way but um i mean shoot i remember being there i don't think i showered for like a week we were up there just i don't think i was sober for a week and uh-huh. i remember one of the guys walked in the room i was laying on one of the guy's beds and i remember he started like dry heaving he was like it smells like somebody just threw up in here <laughs> i did and i was like home. dude i just took my shoes off i'm sorry like i think that finally motivated me to shower but uh you know you pick up and you carry on and we stayed overseas there and um so we you know obviously we weren't home for the funerals and stuff like that you come home and you just you have each other you know the guys that you guys and the guys that all know that part of it but there wasn't a whole lot of talking about it and i think unfortunately i think shoving that much in that container for me at one time kind of kind of cracked it and those kind of emotions to be honest They become toxic over time. Like I just uh, not talking about it. Um, Over the next three and a half years, I can look back and I can see, like it really, really affected me. Like I, it kind of stopped me. Throughout my entire career, man, I've always wanted to be the best. I've strived to be there, and I've been very lucky. Like I, I made it through buds as an original. Like I never got rolled. Luckily, didn't get injured. I went to dev group. Same thing. A lot of guys didn't make it. I made it. Like I was, I was very blessed. But I also never dealt with a lot of adversity i know it sounds weird because we go through buds and that sucks and you deal with that but like pain and suffering i can deal with you know you you get good at putting them down i think maybe that's what unites us all is we're good at pain and suffering we just tuck that away and keep trucking but you know fast forward i kind of put myself in this bubble like i just I stopped, I became, an, It's. I, I call it like a comfort zone, except it wasn't very comfortable. People wouldn't imagine it was comfortable, but it was where I was comfortable. And unfortunately I wasn't comfortable getting outside of there. And I mean, one of the things we do as team guys is, is better ourselves constantly. And I kind of stopped doing that. I mean, I was back home. I mean, I could think I could count on my old two hands, I could count on
3: them. Like when you had two hands? <laughs> like when I had two hands, I
2: could count on them like the amount of days. Like I was sober probably, you know, like I would get off work and I would just drink. I was always – that was my coping method. And luckily I met my wife during this time, which, you know, she's a savior. It helped a little bit, but I still was just – I couldn't get out of it. You know, it's hard to talk about weakness and stuff like that in in this place I was. And obviously, it's amazing that I stuck around that long, but it, it got to the point that it just it affected my job and my performance. And you know, kind of like I'm a big baseball fan, like Major League Baseball, they came to me and said, "You ain't cutting it," you know, which is the reality. Yeah. We deal with people's lives, and and I let I mean, in my mind, you know, it was it was time for me to step back and step down and and reorganize myself, and that was a huge blow to me. For the first time, was like real failure. You know, I feel like I have failed my teammates. I failed myself. I just never been in that part. And I didn't. I didn't know where to go. It's 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 a very humbling experience. Sure, and I've sure. been humbled, but not like that. There's no
3: bottom to that. You just keep falling. And keep there falling. is. You're right. Keep falling. And
2: luckily, in this couple of weeks after when I'm getting ready to, you know, head back to the West Coast and get on with it, I, I my commanding officer at the time. Uh, was an awesome guy, and he pulled me into the office, and he kind of just gave me some words. He's like, "Dude, this isn't this isn't the end all, be all here, man. There's a, there's a lot more to this life, and you need to make sure that you know you figure out what it is and square it away." And, yeah. and that was a big eye for me. And so I, the, it was a, for me. It was a great transition. My wife was pregnant. You know, I was about to become a father. I got to I went back to the West Coast and took over over what the air cell, and that next kind of three years was. A huge growth period for me personally and as a leader and a person like i think it's growing up as a young guy a young ceo like i never wanted to train i never wanted to be a buds instructor i always had this thing oh, was online, just Like, right? you know you want to operate yeah, operate yeah. operate And when i finally got put into this position to teach it kind of reignited that that old flame i had to keep bettering myself and not only better myself but pass down that knowledge and make these guys better There's something empowering about making other people better and lifting them up.
3: Yeah, that's a, one great thing about our program, and I don't even know if they designed it like that when they developed it, but there's so many things throughout the program that are so beneficial. One of them is that. Yeah. I mean, the, the way new new warriors get their fire it is getting trained by the old ones.
2: Dude, the mentorship program is hands down, you don't get any better than you do in the SEAL teams, I think. I have I've been very blessed to have great, great mentors, platoon chiefs, team leaders. I mean, there are I mean, it really, there's a point even after being, you know, a dev group for five years, I still felt like I was nothing. Like, cause I looked around at the guys I, that were next to me and I'm like, dude, these are the guys I I want to be like these guys. Too. But, like I'm not there yet. You know, I just, that's what that place where we all should want to be. But I found this, it started this growth period for me. It started growing. And I, I, like I said, I went back to my wife, put a boot in my ass finally to get back to school. I've been talking about finishing up my degree for ages, you know? Kid, I'm a brand-new father, which was awesome. That's the best thing of all time. Yeah, you got to She's wonderful. I mean, she saved my life more than one time. But uh, during this period, I was back training with a really good friend of mine, and he had started a nonprofit called the SEAL Future Fund, which is now the SEAL Future Foundation. They changed their name. But he had taken it over, and the, the goal of this SFF was to help SEALs transition out of the military, whether that was to more education or finding a job on the outside. He had just gotten a great job offer back on the East Coast that he couldn't turn down. And so he came to me and said, you know, if I take this job, will you take over the SFF as the CEO? That was kind of a big, you know, we work in small teams. uh, Being a leader, to me at that point, I was like, man, I'm good with 20, 30 guys, but now you're talking about taking some of the weight off the entire community. Community, Like like that's a scary thought too, to like let guys down that way. And, but I talked about it, talked with the family, talked about with him and just, and we agreed that I would do it. So got permission from the, you know, I had to get permission from the West Coast, from the Commodore and everything to take on like a dual, dual job. I was still teaching skydiving, but luckily with the class schedule, I had a lot of downtime for school and taking this over. And then on top of that, you know, I got into the Harvard program that Morgan and I have been through. That's an executive education program through Harvard Business School.
3: Harvard Todd. And- That's right. I got mine. Don't <laughs> think <laughs> I know. Yeah, and the scarf. And the yeah. But, barely uh, get, barely uh, got out of high school, quit college, got into still teams, Harvard grad. Yeah, no essentially,
2: deal. if you fast forward like that.
3: Yeah. <laughs> that Isn't busy, that a great dude. way of looking at it? I mean, but my resume looks good. When you say it like that, you're like, <laughs> hold on, wait a minute. So I came from Nowheresville, Virginia. I barely got through high school. I dropped out of college. Community college, I dropped community, community college. college, and now I'm a Harvard graduate. Yeah, now okay. that you're a Harvard grad, you got to make the first part seem as miserable as possible. <laughs> and there's two ways to get that education through life, right? You spend most of it in the because look at the first forty years is just your education. A lot of people spend it in the building, and then when you walk in and say, "Hey, that diploma," when you look at that, it's supposed to tell you how smart that person is, right? Yeah, that's what that that's their their trident, if you will. Man, you can do it the way we did it. Just go out there and your resume is on your body, your scars, and and it tells your story. And then at the end of that, you sit down in that building and see how much you learn throughout life and how many of them things you can stack up. Yeah. You know what I mean?
2: Totally. It's funny because we talk about the school thing and, you know, being a SEAL, but I'll be honest, one of my biggest fears through the teams was going back to school. I mean, I didn't, like I said, I didn't do any college. I remember being in that classroom a little bit and, I had talked about taking classes, like after my first platoon. I was like, "Oh man, free you know, free education." I get in some classes, and I don't know this fear of like being back in a classroom with kids that were younger than me and in my head smarter than me. Like I don't know, I just thought about like math and doing fractions. It's <laughs> just stupid shit. But I mean, that fear kept you from doing it, disabled me yeah. in a sense, and I just I, I always found an excuse to to skip it. Mm-hmm. Volu- I'd volunteer. I'd rather you know, I'd rather be deployed overseas. I'd volunteer for deployment. And, take a school take training and i the excuse was always well i'm doing this i don't have time for that like this is my focus like the seal teams are my focus like school will come in and in the beginning of course i thought i'd just do it forever yeah of course and you're like what do i need school for just do it forever but you know that's one piece of advice i could give the younger guys it's like man get use, your use what you got while you're in and get uh-huh. that education man and like you'll regret it if you don't
3: well in the program that we were in man youth is your tool when you can't do it on the back end. Yeah. That's why it's designed that way. So if you, if you decide to go that route, that military route and people talking about free college and literally if you, everything that we're, we're sitting in and everything that we've accomplished is because we threw that uniform on and then it just one door led to another. And it started with just the regular education, like 3M or, you know, just yeah. something, uh, load planner. Yeah. Whatever schools they would throw at you. And that's literally sitting in a classroom and doing the school deal. And, it, and, and, by doing that, it teaches you how to go sit in the regular classroom.
0: As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.
2: You know, at this point, I'm, I'm training skydivers. I'm running a nonprofit and I'm, I'm in school. When the Harvard, I mean, I was starting to find my balance in there and then a couple more things got thrown on. But I, I was passionate about all of them, and I wanted to get my education. So when the Harvard thing came up, it was I was like, Yo, Am I actually accepted to this program? <laughs> Did they look at my past school records? But, <laughs> uh, well, shout out to that program, like A. Lisa right? Hughes. Amazing. I mean, uh,
3: yeah, Lisa's amazing. Lisa,
2: we love you. I mean, she is a game changer over there. She's a patriot, loves our guys, knows what we bring to that table. That that whole program does. Um, so I end up getting to that program. Put the undergrad on a a hold and started doing the harvard route which was an amazing life-changing life-changing education extra extra life-changing for me obviously because as we were talking about in the beginning that's where smack dab in the middle of that program um is when i got in an accident
3: yeah let's hear about that let's hear about the greatest story
2: ever uh yeah so geez
3: i guess and that story starts off. Paint with, the picture and the mood. Yeah, we put yeah, in I mean, uh, the I, I don't
2: know what kind of music you <laughs> Draw use. the curtains. I mean. It'd be hard because it's, it's comical. But Every year after Thanksgiving, I'd go out to a ranch out here in Texas uh, with a couple of guys, a couple of teammates that were out now. And we'd do some sniper work with guys just for fun. End up becoming a bunch of good friends of ours. So uh, I think this was like the third year. Come out to do it. It was a Tuesday morning. I think it was the 28th. Uh, We're getting up in the morning, feeders go off or whatever, you know, these guys are just sitting in stands and shooting. I'm getting up and I'm driving down to the bunkhouse where all our gear was just to grab my stuff and come back up. And I mean, I I think I was about, about, I don't don't know, the story kind of changes. I think I was about a mile away, but I was in a, in a curve and ended up losing control and just rolling that as a side by side. I mean, I wouldn't haul an ass, but obviously speed was a little bit of a factor, but I was just trying to get down there and I was in a curve gravel path, thin path too. So like I couldn't counter and drive off the path. I would have crashed into a tree. So I just, once that ass end started to lose traction, I just started pumping the brakes and trying to lean in. And you know, you know, that point in your head, cause like you could feel it in your equilibrium when that back tire just dug in and yeah. it just hit that point. And I said, I'm going over. And obviously I, it's a new vehicle. I didn't know where the, no door you know and i didn't know where the handles were but i just gripped that steering wheel as tight as i could and when it hit on its side it jarred me to the ground but i had i mean i just had a little scratch on my forehead scratch on my ankle but essentially as i slid a couple feet i was doing like a side plank to keep my face from just getting destroyed so i had my weight on my forearm and i saw my arm snap like i'm looking down at my obviously adrenaline's pumping but i'm i see my wrist and my elbow get closer together and i'm like shit i just broke my arm <laughs> So Well, I stopped and, you know, you do a quick mental checklist and I'm like, whoo, like broken arm. That's fine. I've broken my arm before. Like, this is easy. Like, and I, I just stood up. And when I stood up, I mean, my hand, it was still attached, but only because of like, Piece of skin, my, the skin on the top that hadn't got eroded away. Right, I mean, flesh and bone were gone, and my hand was hanging like a fishing pole. Oh god! And I mean, awesome. blood everywhere at this point, And I'm looking, and I, I mean, I remember yelling to myself. I was like out loud. I was just like, "Fuck!" Like it wasn't that connection hadn't hit yet. Like in my head, I was okay. Yeah. But I'm looking at this, and I'm like, "This is a game changer." <laughs> 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 That's like, awesome. Uh, dude. This isn't like I'm just going to limp back. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, shit's yeah. got to happen. Man.
3: Life but, has changed. Yeah, yeah. On it. I mean, right you now. know,
2: fucking Murphy's Law. You know, if it yeah. can't happen, it will happen at the worst possible time for us. So, you know, I'm by myself. My phone has been flung out of the vehicle. I mean, I mean, I knew where it was. Thank God. But
3: probably know where. Luckily, out
2: there. shout out to my brother Hannifah Jones, Charo. He gave me this Jack Daniels belt years ago. This soft leather belt. It's kind of a weird story there. If if I back up the day I was leaving for that trip, had all my stuff packed, my wife and daughter at home. I've I already got the Uber. The Uber's like parked outside. And I'm like, my belt was on the banister of our stairs like the night before. And I go to grab it and it's not there. And I'm like, Mindy, I'm like, where's my belt? Because I know she gets in these cleaning modes. Yeah. The world, the tornado comes through. And of course, she doesn't even know where she puts stuff. She cleans so much. And so I'm like, where's the belt? And she's like, I don't know, just get another belt. And it, like, for some reason, whatever, the Almighty was looking out for me. Like, I kind of got angry. I was like, where's my effing belt? You know, I'm like, I need that belt. She's like, why? I'm like, because I love it. You know, just get it for me. So luckily, she found it. I put that belt on out the door. Fast forward to this point, I'm wearing this belt, thank God, because I'm telling you, the other belts I had, stiff leather, they would not have worked. This was like a soft leather belt. This was meant to happen. And I just it, in a split second, luckily my mind went to like survival mode.
3: The Corman in you.
2: The Corman in me, man. I whipped this fucking belt off, and I'm with my mouth. You know, I loop it through, and I have to dangle my hand. <laughs> you know, remember oh. that old fishing? Remember that old fishing game? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah The yeah. fishing pole and the, oh, and the yeah. fish are coming I got one out of those yeah. in my garage. With Trust the kids. me, man. It took me a couple of tries uh, to get that. Get how that bad hand was it by now? Or, or no, was it? I mean I'm telling you, no pain whatsoever. I mean, because I am mean, getting, like I knew, I knew the situation I was in like fully i knew that i'm do something or i'm not gonna make it so i get my hand in there i whip this thing up i pull this thing as tight as i can and of course the first thing i do is like start running and i i don't know about 10 yards before i said Hold on. On. bad um, idea because i'm like I, don't, I can't tell I mean, obviously blood's still dripping everywhere i can't tell i mean I, i'm hoping i stopped the bleeding as, i stopped as best i could but there's still blood so I end up having to like do an extra wrap and bite this thing. Like I put this belt in my mouth to bite it and keep it tight. And then I have to pick my hand up with my other hand. Cause my uh. hand is swinging like a freaking, so I'm like holding my hand, which is a weird feeling. <laughs> I'm like holding <laughs> hey. the kind of almost detached hand, but I end up just being like in my mind, I knew it was just like kind of tunnel vision, but I was like, move with a purpose and get back to the house where the guys are at. You know, I had to get back up there. So like I said, for me, I think it's about a mile. It's like a William Wallace story. It always grows. I've heard two miles, like ten miles, whatever. But I think it was about a mile. Two hundred miles. Ran a marathon. But uh I get back to the house and the funny part was this this ranch house was so freaking nice. Sliding doors everywhere and they were kind of cracked, and guys are up and I kicked this door with my feet. I didn't even go in the house. I think I didn't want to dirty the house up because I'm like buddy and I'm just that was polite. They, the guys are looking at me and I just go, you know, call nine one one. And they're like, what? And I'm like, fucking call 911. And I could see their faces when they finally put the you whole picture together. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, they just start running to me. And I just kind of went down to the ground. Like I laid down in this mulch and shit. And they came out. And luckily, they were great. I talked to into Like we had med kits out there. And so I was like, hey, first thing I did was talk them into putting like another tourniquet on my arm, like an actual cat tourniquet. Mm. First pain I felt. He's putting that cat tourniquet on, and there was a guy out there that worked the ranch who was, I mean, he had to be 300 pounds. This, I mean, he's like 6'6", 300 pounds. He put in, they were like, grab that belt and don't let him bleed out. Yeah. He put a knee on my shoulder, and he pulled that belt so freaking tight, man, that, I mean, that was that was the first pain I felt. Oh. But they've had blankets on me, and then uh, I, my memory blanks out as soon as the ambulance showed up, which was about 30 minutes. So I remember them calling 911. I remember hearing it's 30 minutes for the ambulance, People talk about life flight. It was, you know, five thirty, six in the morning. It's too foggy for life flight. Yeah. It was one of those mornings. So, ambulance picks me up. I sort of go out. I think my adrenaline was dumping at that point. Although, there's a sheriff's deputy that we keep in touch with. She was one of the first responders, and she was on the ambulance with me initially. And she said I turned into like a crazy man. Like they had IVs in me, and I'm ripping shit out. And I'm like, I think I was just freaking out. Like everything dumped, and I was just oh. shock was setting in. But they had everybody holding me down and they finally got into town. The life flight nurses, the trauma nurses swapped them out. And then we continued on to San Antonio at some point in there, you know, I think I started to go, they got me to the hospital. And of course my next memory from the ambulance is waking up in the hospital and I'm waking up coming to, obviously they've already done the amputation. So they have well, you. A, pretty
3: much took care of that, right? They just had to clean her up. <laughs> they, just,
2: they just snip it up and clean it up. Really, yeah. they did, and thank God they actually did an awesome job. So talking to my surgeon later, uh, a lot was dependent on how clean that wound was because it was up close to the elbow. Yeah. And luckily, that doc—I don't know the main doc's name—but funny part of the story is when I'm waking up, one of the other doctors, a younger guy, was there talking to me, and this guy's name is Doctor Hand.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So thank you, uh, Dr. Hand. Thank but you I, God. Even Mindy got a laugh at that one. We're yeah, like, is this guy serious? <laughs> like, really? You're the one talking to me? And he's going through this story of, you know, we had to amputate, yada, yada, yada. And then, so my wife is there and then two old SEAL buddies of mine. And in this story... This is where it gets good, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah it, in this story, as he's telling him, I don't even remember who, my wife, one of the guys is like, hey, Doc, you know, where's his ha- where is his hand? And... I don't even remember the response because I'm kind of drugged up, but I, I'm essentially he's like, well, it's probably going down to get destroyed yeah, down the morgue. And it's like, can we have it? And the do- I, remember, I mean, I can kind of remember the doctor's face. He's kind of like, what? And they are like, yeah, can we have the hand? And so now I'm just like, yeah, can I keep it? And he's like, I don't know, guys. He's like, it would have to be like a religious reason. And, of course, we're like... Done. Bingo. <laughs> I said, we got to bury that thing. It's, it's That's a piece it's of it. Of this, is, mm, this is I, where I, it has to I, go. I have this religious belief, that if I don't bury it... It's a religion you don't know the name of. It won't find me but in the afterlife. Me, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to need this. I have to get buried with this thing in one This day. is where the story so, really gets good. So, anyway, he's like, look, I, I'll, I'll I'll ask. I don't, you know. So, he comes back a couple hours later, and he's like, hey, you can pick the hand up tomorrow. So... <laughs> That night, we're over getting swapped over to the military hospital at Bamsey and you know, stay there. The next day, two of my buddies, well, one, well, at least my one buddy that I know of, they go back to. I mean, this guy he's no relation to me, doesn't share a name with me, whatever. Uh, (laughs) But goes back, and they just hand off this, hand it off. They just uh, hand hand off my hand. hand. Allow myself to introduce myself Myself to Um, my hand. They hand off the hand to my buddy, and so. You know, everybody at this point, like more seals have flown in. Good buddies of mine, everybody's flying in to make sure I'm okay, and uh, so they're like, "Well, what do we do with the hand?" They're all staying like a, a Spring Hill Suites Marriott or something like that, you know. <laughs> so they stick it in the freezer. It's a natural <laughs> yeah, course. are at the
3: hotel room. In the hotel, yeah, yeah, in the, the
2: hotel room. room. Yeah, so yeah, the there's more. a bunch of guys in the hotel. That this guy puts in the freezer. This goes. This is where you can't make this stuff. Comes up. back to the hospital, and so this this goes on. I mean, the hospital was great. I mean, I know talking about never quit story you know you think like losing this hand it's devastating the chance to ever really feel bad about the hand never came up you know like i mean it's funny because i mean you've you guys you guys visited and you saw the staff i spent about two weeks in like this four west and that staff there's amazing and they freaking loved us i mean we had a party going on they finally gave me my own room because they're like there's too many people here you're bothering everybody else no, you know? no, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, the, like the hand jokes were flying. Right, right. I mean, there's just. I think even the nurses were just like, they're like, I don't think this is how you're supposed to talk to people who just got injured. Yes, you know? it is. Yeah, absolutely. But there's no other way to do it in um, our community because you just. I mean, everything's comical, but it's also. I'm like, the first thing I did was like, hey, I'm alive. You know, I get to go home and I get to see my wife. I get to see my daughter. I I could I carry on no matter what, and so originally they were telling me, hey. I had more bone than I had skin and muscle to cover it up. So they, I had this wound back on for weeks. And they said, you know, every, every doctor I talked to was like, hey, you're probably going to lose your elbow. We can't cover it up. You're probably going to lose it. And, of course, the mindset at that point is just like, dude, whatever. Like, let's get this thing over with. Like, I, don't, I didn't know any better at the time of being an amputee. But I'm like, I'm alive. Let's just, I want to get out of the hospital. Let's just do this thing. So when the surgeon, uh, my surgeon came in, I mean, he's still active. I don't want to use his name, but best surgeon in the world. He came in and he was like, hey, I'm going to for this shit and I'm going to save your elbow. I'm like, fantastic. So, I like this attitude. Yeah, so we did a couple more surgeries to make sure everything was cleaned up. Obviously, parallel to this is the guys. The hand is still in the freezer. In the freezer. During the day, the guys are all at the hospital during the day. We're all coking and joking, having a great time. At night, these guys are going back and... I'm getting pictures with it. Oh Dudes yeah, are, it's a party with the hand. It's yeah. yeah. It the Guys, a ton are, of them, dude. guys selfies are with popping, the hand. taking selfies. <laughs> um, people are shaking my hand, making videos with, with the it. Hand. Yeah. With
3: the, the, the I have pictures on Which my phone. Which is
2: funny cuz honestly when you look at it, like it's kind of gnarly. It's disgusting. It is real gnarly. Oh yeah. I mean, it looks like a prop, but it's just like the skin is all wrinkled. Yeah, yeah. it's just like it like it's it's dying, you know. And you're like <laughs> yeah. and I it's, got, think... it's like it's
3: wearing a glove that's too big. Yeah um tell the tell, tell the best part
2: so yeah well, so anyway yeah um it's probably been like a week and one of my buddies has to leave and the hand is in his freezer for whatever reason and so he goes to the front desk and he's like hey can i get a key you know a room key to this other room i have some money to put in there and they're like well no but here give it to us and we'll put it in there for you and he's like uh oh, probably not no, a good idea <laughs> so i guess i don't know if it was like the weird reaction to it yeah i kept just walking away and Whatever else, that evening, uh, the hand stayed in that freezer because somebody else is going to use the room, but the maid or the manager, somebody goes <laughs> maid, in there. The and maid, the maid clean the finds room. the hand. Clean out the freezer. <laughs> That's the greatest story. There's a human hand <laughs> in the freezer.
3: The damn hand in there?
2: Yeah, so... <laughs> that poor lady. I'm sure this is not what is in the job description of like yeah. cleaning out body parts. You had to look on her face like, what is that? I wish I could see it. I wish I could have been flying the wall. But um, obviously... They call the police. It's oh yeah, a natural thing to do. There's a there's a body. There's part a here. body part in my freezer. And this and the guy who had the room is kind of a like a strangely acting fellow. All right. My bad. So the police show up there, and they like it's funny because the hotel at the hotel like knew we were all there for whatever reason. They call the hospital, and the hospital staff is like, "Hey, hotel, like you got to go back. The police are there."
0: So the two, two of my buddies are like
2: the guy with the hand, the other guy that knows about the hand. Like they end up going back there, and I I don't know, thirty, forty-five minutes later, I had a telephone in my room next to my bed, you know, like to the outside world, and all of a sudden it rings. I'm like, hello. It's like, hey, this is Detective So and So, you know. And I'm like, hey, detective. Are you, you missing know? a hand? <laughs> well, he didn't even ask me. I just jumped into it because I'm like, I don't know if these guys are like getting head up, <laughs> arrested. I'm like, hey, detective. Like, hey, my name's Aaron Kennell. You know, like, this is, that's my hand. Here's the story. <laughs> I got a hand. I'm missing my foot. Where, where, where the hell did they get that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Do you got a foot there? I should have asked for yeah, my yeah, body yeah. parts. No, no, I got them all good, man. Yeah, hindsight being <laughs> in 2020, I should have missed a little bit more. But I was just trying to make sure guys, like, weren't in trouble, so uh i said those are my, i gave my buddies names so and those are my buddies i don't know you can come test me whatever those are my fingerprints <laughs> they're still there i don't i'm sure you can take dna but uh, i mean he was like hey it's all good we we just need to make sure this wasn't a homicide you know huh. so it's all good so at that point obviously now it's weird that there's a body part in the hotel and so it, the, the qu- next question is like well what do we do with it now It can't stay here so the next Logical answer became well. Let's take it to a taxiderm- taxidermist. Taxidermis, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, obviously out back out towards Kerrville where all we did all the hunting and yeah we got plenty of taxidermists on the phone plenty line. Of taxidermis Yeah, plenty of taxidermists and guys that the guys knew so they bring it back there and uh, I wish I knew who they would I would give them a shout out they did an awesome job um, and I think they put it to the front of the line being as they were like hey we don't get to work on human stuff human, human so hands
0: we don't get to do yeah a lot Jim, of I wonder here, what he so. was just
3: like looking at that thing going hmm.
2: <laughs> i think they were excited for it but uh either way so hand goes to the taxidermist and they asked me like what do you want and so the initial plan that i wanted shoulder mount
3: well half, the initial passed, plan i wanted was mount. to uh, obviously
2: like i'm a big wine drinker i, I consider myself like a, an aficionado a little bit but i wanted to make it like a i don't know it's start to see but like a skeleton hand doing like the spock thing where i could hold a wine glass like and <laughs> You know, so if I was at a party, I could bring this hand and hold mine <laughs> my and hand. It, yeah. My yeah. hand. Uh I quickly realized that they couldn't do it because they have to drill through, put wire. It becomes very brittle. Like, it's not it's uh, yeah. not weight-bearing at all. So I finally got it back in January of this year. It's in a beautiful, like, I could describe it as, like, the Beauty and the Beast, like, Forever Rose. They have, yeah, exactly. you know, like, yeah. like they, Snow glowed. They, they got it, like, in a nice rock there that they chiseled my bones. So you can see right where the bone snapped, you know. Still all there, my hand's there. It's and then it's just
3: I can vouch for that. I've had the hand in my hand.
2: Yeah. I don't think they knew exactly what would be used for because obviously now it's this obviously my wife doesn't let me keep it out in public. It's in our closet. it's in our closet. Yeah, 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 But when people come over and kid my daughter loves it. It's a great conversational piece. It's a great conversation piece. So people come over and I bust it out and like I chase kids around with it and play tag <laughs> and it's gotten cotton hair and all sorts of stuff or I think I need to take it back. Cause like the glue in between all the, bones. there's a uh, lot of bones in your hand. <laughs> the yeah. glue in there is like starting to come apart. Like at some part, I feel like this hand's going to start to fall apart. So I'm going to need to, it's going to be an
3: heirloom forever. Yeah. For Halloween, you just put on like the trench coat. Remember, was it Zoolander? He hand put it in there. There. <laughs> got him a hand model,
2: but I suppose, uh, for Halloween, you know, I'm looking at stuff. If you know, obviously there's a lot in there where people, I remember when I started to go to rehab at the CFI, which is the best facility in, in the country. You know, it's, they have the best staff, the best people. I couldn't ask to be in a better place. In fact, one of the doctors said it to me one of the mornings when they came in super early because I'm a Navy guy. and The doctor goes, "You you stationed here? I said, no. He's like, what are you doing here? I said, I got in the accident here. And he looked dead at me and he goes, you picked a good place to get in an accident. Mm-hmm. And that's true. And so I end up, my command let me stay out here to rehab. Just fantastic. But I remember my surgeon, a couple other people were like, man, I, I can't wait for you to get over to the CFI because there are people that accidents happen too and their their attitude you know like they just they feel like they're in despair like this this thing happened to them and it affects them luckily you know looking back on my life and all the downside to it was perspective you know like Mm. like when I said my perspective was A I'm alive and my plan is to get back as best as I can be you know I tell people like I had a plan A my plan A was to live my life with two hands man Mm. like I love that left hand we've been through a lot of shit together (laughs) right (laughs)
3: But literally
2: plan a is no longer possible. So you can sit there and you can, you can dwell on how great plan a would have been. It would have been great. Trust me. I have great plans, but you know, now it's time to move on to plan B. I didn't have a plan B, but I created one. Mm. And if plan B doesn't work, I'm going to create a plan C, but you know, I, I went in there every day with the attitude of making myself better. And there's great people over there, but they were excited for my attitude to come over there and hopefully become infectious and, and work hard and get back like this. This accident doesn't define me, you know? In fact, I, people all the time are like, oh, man, how is it? I'm like, well, it ain't that bad. I mean, I can do pretty much everything." I'm sure there's going to be obstacles in life that are going to come. Yeah, this is just part of it. Just, there's obstacles with two hands that are going to come, but mm. there's just ways. Now my way is just figuring out how to do it as best I can. I always joke because people go, where's your prosthetic? I mean, I've had a prosthetic for like a year and a half. Mm. I remember going in to see my prosthetist at the CFI, and mm. he was like, hey, have you been using your hand? What was it him. called? a prosthetist oh, yeah. yeah
3: good good articulation not to be <laughs> not to be confused well <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, do <laughs> he does do hand jobs though
2: he does do hand jobs but uh he was i remember I i'm seen him, i hadn't seen him in like six months and he's like hey you've been wearing the prosthetic and i was like don't you have the prosthetic he was like oh boy he's like so you haven't worn it one time have you I'm like well i haven't but it's only because i've just figured out ways around it and it's Becomes more of a pain to get it on and try to do it than just doing it. You so. get around great. Well, I appreciate that. I mean, you know? I hadn't even seen
3: anything you can't do. Yeah, that. that's the best part about having a team, guys. Man, Short when, when cut uh, your steak. When we do get injured, <laughs> it's just like the the overall mentality is. But first, like, hey, man, you can put something on there, and make me even faster, stronger, kind of turn me into a cyborg. Yeah, but I mean, we got a couple buddies that had, that went to college with one guy. Was is it Trey Wood? Trey. God dang that guy! He could he like he you? Played, I mean, that's he, what, played, he wouldn't played, even know he didn't have football, baseball. lift he would bench over three hundred pounds. Yeah, I woke up this morning and Kendall was outside in the in the in the barn rowing. Yeah, and then doing planks. Yeah, I don't do that, and I am yeah, man, it's complete.
2: uh, it's something, brother. Yeah, my wife told me it's time to lose some weight, so I had to get out there. No, just kidding. But uh, I mean, and a shout out to my wife and my daughter. You know, they've they've been behind me and and that's one of the biggest things too is when i got out of that hospital i mean they're like don't move your arm i got staples in i mean my daughter doesn't realize that i'm injured you know when i walk in that door it's it's dad time again right and that was a i mean there's no more motivating factor than that right there to like be the father that you were want to be you know and the husband you want to be and so you know i came back every time i'd see him in rehab i'd be like i'm lifting my arm over my head and they're like whoa whoa and i'm like trust me i'm not going to injure myself i know the difference there but I'm going to push myself every day to get back to normal. Like, I know that you have a timeline, but I have a timeline too. And I know that I can do better than what you're telling me. But, man, just being being in that place every day. I mean, forget the SEALs. There was a civilian lady in there that she had to be on here. She was like a sheriff's deputy. And she woke up one morning in writhing pain. And they called an ambulance. And when she woke up at the hospital, they amputated all four of her limbs. She had some virus that was killing her and she they amputated all four and i see her there every day at rehab above and below joints or uh, i think mostly below but i don't don't quote me on that but she's getting prosthetics but i've seen her in a chair with her with her dog and she is at that rehab center every freaking day man and i'm just like yeah we need to get her on the show dude i'm telling you i mean that's the kind of you look at that and you're like i always make the analogy you've seen uh what is it half baked yeah you know, and Bob Saget's, he goes to AA and uh, whatever, and he's talking about smoking weed and being addicted to weed, and Bob Saget stands up, and he's like, I don't want to know. You know, he's like, you ever sucked dick yeah, for yeah, coke, yeah. you know? <laughs> he's like, that's not a drug." Like, that's kind of how I, like, when people ask me, like, oh, man, it's so terrible. I'm like, dude, it's the hand. Like, I've run marathons with these guys. I did a marathon with a bunch of other amputees, and, you know, these guys are like, F you Kendall he's got two legs forget about this guy like you know <laughs> right? it's it's not it's not a thing that's why you know my my mindset is just it's not there I mean it's not there but I mean it's just everything is normal and I just every day is just make it better than it was before and sure that's honestly awesome. it's a challenge now I try to outperform people you know it's it's fun to do stuff and people are like oh shit you know where's your hands? like like oh, anybody can do that with two hands try to do it with one and a half that's
3: right I had a buddy of mine here recently one of the green rays who pulled me off the uh, mountain yeah, he, he loves riding motorcycles, and he's a little bit older. But he was in a crash um, recently, and he he got paralyzed from the waist down. And I went to see him the other day, uh, and um, with anything, you know, he was kind of down on himself. I was like, "Hey, man, let's just put this in perspective, all right?" And I was like, "You got a new set of wheels here. How much time you spend on that motorcycle? And then when you're at home, you're sitting down." I was like, "Man, now you got permanent wheels. You love to <laughs> ride, anyways, man. You soup this thing up. There's not, and then the, the in between stuff." man, that just draws you close to your family, right? I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's okay to, a lot of times with guys like us, it's that pride that we're not, we can't fulfill our, our duties, but man, that's just you doing, thinking about that, just.
2: Yeah. I mean, life's funny that way, man. I mean, I, like we, we joked before we started this, you know, obviously I live in Texas here now and, and I love it, but for years, you know, Morgan and been you guys have been talking about, hey, when you get out, come to Texas and I was always like, yeah, no, oh, Texas ain't for me, man. I'm <laughs> just not my <laughs> cup of tea. I didn't really want to. And two months after being here, my wife and I, my wife's just like, I love it here. And I'm like, I do too. People are great. Fell into some great friends. Everybody's close by. And, and that was kind of the joke that we made earlier. It was like, well, what happened? I, you, you used to not want to live in Texas. And I was like, well, that was two-handed me. Yeah, one two, handed me. Two-handed me didn't like Texas. Yeah. One-handed me. And you really enjoy being here in Texas. So. Well, well,
3: thank you so much for for coming out and doing and sharing your sharing your weekend with us, man. And uh, no, I, I appreciate mean, I, it. I love you like a brother. Yeah, never stop living, man. Every time you come in here, just damn joy. We, I mean, just touching on some of the stuff with what we did today, man. Just those never quit moments. It's it's kind of funny that those don't really define us as what we are, man. It's it was the lead up to all of that, and that kind of that that was just one of the steps in it, and that goes. It's par for the course of anything you do, man. And just there's supposed to be some roadblocks, right, or hurdles, or absolutely, or whatever you want to call it. But if you if you don't look at them like that as the barriers, as the the, the problem, it's just as it's just something that we have to get through. Uh, it's like an if the if life is an obstacle course, the obstacles are set in it, right? Yeah. And you just and
2: I mean, we talked about it earlier. I always tell people like if you look at my resume, man, it looks really good. But what you don't see is in between every one of those great bullets is a bunch of failure, (laughs) a bunch of hardship, you know, and it's obstacle after obstacle. But, you know, the difference is those aren't my bullets, those obstacles and those failures aren't my defining moments. It's everything that comes after that, that you grow from.
3: Sure. That's what makes you into all that is that are those moments. All right, Aaron, thanks again for being on the show today. Do you have anything you'd like to plug?
2: uh yeah just one thing um if people are looking out uh i started a business with a buddy of mine do some consulting after the harvard gig figured i'd take kind of all the lessons we've learned and from the community and personal life and hope to better people so we do uh some consulting out of elite team performance so you can find us at eliteteams.com.
3: yeah and it, it i can i can speak to it. it it's great to have kendall up in front of a crowd going through what he'd been through and his his attitude's infectious so you else? are you
1: on social media as well
2: yeah i am i don't it's just something yeah i mean i don't really care about that (laughs) that's how they're gonna find you do i need to change my name on social media (laughs) i should probably get a more professional name if i'm gonna what is it now redmanda 252
3: redmanda 252
2: there you go redmanda 252 not that i'm that interesting on social media but there you go all right (laughs) thank you guys
3: Aaron, brother, thanks for coming on here and doing that, man. I uh, I I thoroughly enjoy our our times together when we get to hang out and then um, sitting back and, and listening to you tell the story to all our listeners out there, man. It, it still brings as, as much happiness and, and humor to me as the day you uh, you told some of those stories to me the, for the first time. So uh, thank you again for being who you are and uh, being a good teammate, man. We love you. Kendall's one of those guys you just need to have in your life because his attitude's infectious. Man, he's such a positive guy. Since day one. God, when I went out, when we went out to San Antonio to see him, he he's just laying in the hospital bed. He just had a positive, and it's like yeah, hey, no big deal. You know what happens. So you, you had not seen his face. He has. He's got. I'm sure you have friends out there. and know somebody who does. He's got that. He has a smirk that he gets. Man, and it's just kind of infectious. Even in the bad times, he's mm-hmm. like when things are going real bad. He'll get that that grin. He's like, man, can you believe this is what What the hell's going on here? And that, and it does, man. When a lot of people look at our humor and call it dark. But you know, our our life and everything that we're trained in is, is kind of in that realm, so our our humor has to. I, I've never seen him in a bad mood, yeah. And of course, obviously, everybody has that and he keeps it. But when he's in and around folks, he's just and he, his laugh when he clacks that laugh off, yeah. He's and he, you know, he can't and nobody can beat him up and make fun of him more than he makes fun of himself. that's one of his gifts. It's um, it, it's it's again, when I got up this morning, he was outside rowing with one hand, and then he gets off the rowing machine and starts doing planks and push ups on that nub. I'm sitting there in, the, in my chair outside with the kids kids drinking coffee. I'm like, I'm such a lazy bastard. <laughs> <laughs> it's Saturday. Yeah, he's a prime example to, to tell yourself and to show yourself, man, that you just never stop, never get down. I mean, a bad time isn't something that you have to take every day. It's just something that you had to take at that moment. You, you Take the lessons learned from it and push forward, man. Never quit. Thank you guys for bringing us back and uh, never giving up on us. We can't thank y'all enough, man. Sure hope you guys enjoy listening to what we, uh, us and everybody that's on the show because we sure have a lot of fun doing it. Thank y'all. God bless. If you want to be the first
1: one to know when we drop new episodes, make sure you subscribe to the show. You can press the purple subscribe button on Apple Podcasts or any other major podcast player to be notified the moment we drop a new episode. And
3: if today's episode ignited a new fire in you, if there's one thing that I've learned, it's that sharing your story is a powerful thing. There are people out there that need a kick in the ass and your story could be the one thing that changes their life forever. So take a minute to share your story at teamneverquit.com forward slash podcast. Just click on the share your story button in the menu so we can encourage you along the way. Your story just might be shared on one of our upcoming podcasts. If you're already following us on Facebook and Instagram,
1: you know we keep our followers up to date with gear, sales, guests, events, and tons of other stuff you won't get anywhere else. If you're not following us yet, you're missing out. Follow us right now at team underscore never quit. You can also keep up with Marcus at Marcus Latrell, Morgan at Mojo Latrell, and me at Andrew Brockenbush on Instagram.